Well, good morning. It is a good day, isn't it? It's a good day to be in church. It's a good Sunday to follow up an incredible Easter season. I, I hope that somewhere through that Easter season, you were able to grow a little closer to Jesus. There's really no one like Jesus. There's no one like him. Um, as we talked about last week, not only what he did for us to die on a cross, to resurrect from the grave, but uh, he's not a dead savior. He's a living savior. He's alive today and he guides you and I today. That's a great thing through his Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm so grateful because Easter kind of kicks off a season of celebration for us. Um, it doesn't just end with Easter. There's a lot going on at Calvary. And whether you're in the room today or you're joining us online as a part of our online family, let me encourage you, continue to take the steps as a believer to reconnect and recommit in your relationship to Jesus and to his church. There's a guest card in the seat in front of you for those of you who are our guests today. Just take a moment and fill out that welcome communication card. That helps us get to know you um, and really help you take your next step with Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's about you taking the next step in your relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. Um, for those of you in our online family, likewise, let me encourage you. Um, there's only so long that you can just watch church on TV, right? Uh, I had a sweet friend this week said, um, hey, pastor, I'm watching you on TV, you know, and, and I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I'm so thankful that during this last season of life, um, there were faithful people here in this church who said, pastor, what do you need? What can we do to help the church? And so we changed a lot of how we do things. And part of that is to be able to reach out to you right where you are right now. But I'm telling you, just as a team of people and a group of people gathered today to learn more about what it means to join the Calvary family, to be able to commit to Jesus and commit to community, let me encourage you, make every effort and every step to commit to what's most important, your relationship with Jesus and getting back directly, actively involved in this church. It is the right step for your future. It is the right step for your relationship with God. And I want to see you soon. So as we think about that, this morning was our first intro to membership class that we've had since before the pandemic started. And in that class this morning, there were people, families represented as well, that gathered that over the last several months, as we've actively, directly engaged to say, there's nothing more important than your relationship with Jesus and reconnecting with the people of God in the church, those families took that step this morning to learn more about that. And I'm just telling you, as you know, and as priorities have shifted and as life has changed, there's just nothing more important than your relationship with Christ. And we have a lot to celebrate. Last week, by the way, was the first time since pre-pandemic that this place was full. And I just want to say thank you to you, the people of God. Because as a result, last week, you know, around 360-something people were here at Calvary, families connecting to you and to the Lord, to Jesus, to learn about their next step in faith. That's huge. First time that's happened since literally over two years. It's amazing. And I know that's the work of the Lord, and we're not done celebrating. Next week, 
May the 1st is a Sunday where we're going to celebrate an important part of our family, our graduates. And so I want to encourage you next Sunday, make sure that you're in church because May the 1st, as a part of our graduate recognition, it's going to be a special Sunday. And I'm telling you, there's no better foundation for a graduate than their foundation with Jesus and a church family that stands behind them through all seasons as they launch forward. So that's going to be a big week. The following week, you probably know is Mother's Day, right? So now I just gave you a hint, man. If you didn't know that it's Mother's Day, um, that's May the 9th, right? That's coming up just a couple of weeks away. And also, you know, if you're doing something special for that significant someone, yeah, you can go on and start making those plans now. But also on that day is a baby dedication. And on that day, we're going to, as a church family, dedicate um, some of our wonderful children that have been born during this season of life to the Lord. And we're going to stand behind them as families. Another great celebration Sunday. That's back to back. And then I know many of you, because you already asked me about it this morning. On May the 15th, we are going to celebrate and have an open house event. And we're going to cap it off with a crawfish boil, and that's what everybody heard. Crawfish boil, right? Because <laughs> you saw that in the video last week, and you're like, oh, crawfish, I'm there, right? And yes, you can invite people. But let me tell you why we're doing that. There's, there's a couple of things that I think are awesome about May the 15th. Number one, yes, crawfish, right? So I get that. But let me tell you why. The reality is you may not understand how difficult it was to make a commitment and a choice during a pandemic season of life to listen to the voice of God and to say, in spite of every other voice, I will commit to move this church forward. I will commit to making sure that the plans that God gave to us as a church will be fulfilled. We will refresh, rebuild, and do this campus, this house right, and we will light it up. And so there was a commitment to do that in the midst of some times that were very thin. We did that. May a year ago, you gave nearly $150,000. Literally, we're marking it by one year. It's hard to believe. To get that project started in the midst of two hurricanes, right? Um, two deductibles that out of our savings accounts and out of our budget monies, over $200,000 were spent just on deductibles to make sure that this place was restored. Why? For what you saw last week, for what you saw the Saturday before, for what you saw today, because we are committed, come hell or high water or name the storm, we are committed to being the family of faith on mission with Jesus to change our world. And we need to celebrate that. Some people have not seen this campus since we've done all of the restoration. And we can take it for granted if we've been coming in every week. But don't forget that just a few months ago, you were sitting on concrete, right? Um, now you drive by at night and the place is just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. Well, we're going to have an open house event and we're going to celebrate. But I also want to challenge you on that day. We're going to take up an offering, and I'm inviting all of our families who have been at a distance or some of our people who have been connected here to Calvary before, I want you to come. I want you to invite people to come. I want you to invite them to come and see the faithfulness of God. I want you to encourage your friends. And look, crawfish is an easy way to do it. <laughs> hey, come to a crawfish boil after church with me, and they'll all come. But it's about the faithfulness of God because you sit 
in a campus and in a facility today in the city of New Orleans where many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have yet to be able to rebuild, have yet to be able to solve the challenges that they faced either with deductibles, insurance companies, or just quite frankly financial management. And God is faithful. We were able to navigate all of that, all of it with a very sincere, committed faith, and I want us to celebrate that. You can get your tickets after church, by the way. The tickets are 30 bucks for all-you-can-eat crawfish. Now, let me, let me help you understand that. You're not really going to go anywhere and eat all-you-can-eat crawfish. Like, we've ordered a lot of crawfish for that day, and it's all-you-can-eat. But here's the reality. Part of that is us trying to use that day as a catalyst to reinvigorate part of our deductible savings accounts that we have used. It's a fundraising day. So I encourage you, come prepared to give, come prepared to bring a friend who hadn't been here. Hey, listen, if you know them to be really good church people and God's moved them somewhere else and they're in a really wonderful, blessed place, you need to really hit them in the ribs and say, you know what, we still need your help. We still need your help because we're overcoming. Let me put it in perspective. When we started this journey as a family of faith and as God called me to pastor this church almost 14 years ago, one of the things immediately that everybody was talking about was Katrina. And they were talking about the effects and all of that and how it just totally obliterated all the finances. 14 years ago, I started as a church, as the pastor, I said, well, you know, it would be good to have a deductible savings account. That'd be a good idea because the reality is you're going to face deductibles. So we started doing that 14 years ago, 1500 a month. So do the math. That's a pretty smart move 14 years ago for a guy who didn't know what he was doing, right? And so we started doing that. And that's what empowered us to be able to navigate the last two storms. Now, we need to pray, dear Lord, let there not be any more rainy days this summer, right? Let's pray over your homes, over this region, over our church and all of that. Because we need a, we need a season of harvest and protection where God will protect us in our region. Amen. But with that, we were able to use all of that to continue to move forward. That's the faithfulness of God. We want to use the 15th as a moment to celebrate and a moment of challenge to be able to move this church back to a position where we're prepared for the future again. So I want you to pray about that. Take the time to pray about that. I want those of you who are away to come, to join us, to be a part of this celebration. Maybe you haven't seen all that we've done. And you know what? It's pretty amazing to think about how God is just faithful. And let me just be really clear. I celebrate that together with you. That's not about me. That's about us. The faithfulness of God's people to him and knowing what matters the most. It's Jesus, his people, and the mission that he's given us to impact our world, which is New Orleans and beyond. Amen? And that is a perfect transition. By the way, let me mention one other thing. Let's say you don't eat crawfish. <laughs> well, I don't eat crawfish. I'm not coming. We have a wonderful church family who used to do a wonderful restaurant business, Barrecas, here in the city. They are also catering other resources, meals, cooking, all you can eat from them too. And they're doing that to bless our church. They're doing that just so you don't want to eat crawfish. You can get a ticket to enjoy, be a part of that, and be a part of that Sunday because it's going to be another Easter moment. Listen, the 1st, the 9th, the 15th, gosh, what a great way to continue to celebrate God's faithfulness here. So I want to make sure that you're a part of these things together because I'm just thankful and I'm proud. 
And now that ties in very clearly to the last section of the letter of 2 Peter. Get your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. The last few verses that he writes in this last letter are significant. Because really when you look at what he's talking about, there has to be in our lives hope beyond what you see in the moment. There has to be a hope that drives you, an anchor for your soul, for your heart, for your mind, and for your life. There has to be something that really grabs hold of you that you live for because in this world, if we merely live for what we see or the experiences that we enjoy, there is going to be discouragement disappointment. There are some things that we will hope for and we will never see them. They will not materialize. They will not come to fruition. And if our only hope is in those things, then discouragement and despair will overwhelm us as people. That is a part of being human. But a part of being Christian, a part of knowing Jesus, is that you have an anchor in your soul for your heart, in your mind, and for your life that gives you hope and gives you something to live for in the midst of everything else going on in the world. And Simon Peter, with these last few verses of this last letter that he would write before he would go home to be with Jesus, he paints a picture, actually, of what to live for. Something greater than this world, hope. And so it's verse 10 that we pick up on today. Hadn't it been fun to walk through, straight through two letters that the Apostle Peter wrote? I mean, it's fascinating that we together as the church have been able to touch, handle, read, and understand this great disciple that we read so much about in the life of Christ. And yet he passes on these great treasures to the church right before he would go home to be with Jesus and these are the final words that he would write in his second letter, talking about a new heaven and a new earth. This is what he says in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. Pause. Time out. I just want that to sink into your hearts, believer. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord, it will come. And then he continues. The day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we, that's you, sons and daughters of Jesus, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and the unstable distort, as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. But you, you th therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Simon Peter, as he writes these words and as you read them, perhaps on the surface, um, you might read them and go, gosh, that, what a way to end a letter. Uh, normally, by the way, we would end a letter, you write, oh, I love you, you're great, you're amazing, right? Um, you want to build up, and yet you read these last words that he writes, and you go, man, he's talking about burning by fire, and the elements falling away, and the heavens on fire, and destruction. And, and maybe like you, um, maybe like me, your brain goes, man, how's that going to happen, you know? And am I going to be here to see that? And a lot of people have spent a lot of time thinking about those things. Am I going to be around? Is this an asteroid? You know, um, some people might think that, right? Or are there Martians out there? Maybe it's like a Marvel movie and all this stuff's going to happen. We don't know. I can guarantee you it's not Thanos. I can guarantee you that, right? Um, I can guarantee you it's not Hollywood. Um, I can guarantee you that we don't really know what's going to happen. But what I want to talk to you about that I can guarantee you is that the Bible over and over again has a theme. And this theme is present in the Old Testament. It was a very important theme all through the Old Testament. The prophets wrote about it extensively. Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't forget about it. Matter of fact, he didn't just say, that was then and this is now. Jesus actually affirmed it and said that part of it is happening right now and then Jesus actually said, and the apostles carried this forward, part of it is going to happen at a day that we just don't know, but it's going to happen. What is that theme? I want to talk to you as we conclude this last part of the letter about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. In Scripture, there is always this theme about the day of the visit of God. And in scripture, it happens twice. Interestingly enough, the first one happens when Jesus shows up. Now, in the Old Testament, all of the prophets in the Old Testament, what they thought is God was going to come back, right? And he was going to establish his reign on earth. He was going to get rid of the Babylonians, the Assyrians, um, even during the time of Jesus, the Romans. 
that God was going to destroy, look at this, all of those people that you don't agree with. <laughs> that, that God was going to come back and he was going to wipe the slate clean. He was going to get rid of all of these bad governments and all of this unrighteousness and all of this brokenness in the world. Um, now, perhaps you hear all of that and you go, yeah, man, I... I wish God would do that right now. I, I wish he'd get rid of all the Republicans or all the Democrats or all. And you fill in the blank, right? He didn't do that. He didn't do that. What did he do? What's funny is the people, and we do the same thing. We, we believe that God is going to come back and he is going to wipe the slate clean and he's just going to have this perfect place for those people that are just the best people, right? Or the people that agree with us. Or say, But he didn't do that. And they thought that through the whole, the whole Old Testament about the day of the Lord. But what was the day of the Lord? What God didn't do was destroy all the world and, and make it all perfect. What God did do is he sent Jesus. The first visit of the day of the Lord was the Messiah. And the prophets wrote about this. And the people thought it's going to be national destruction and, and worldly government that God would set up here and everything would be great, right? Um, if that were the case, we would live in a perfect world right now. Everything would be great right now. There wouldn't be so much hatred in the world. There wouldn't be so much division in the world. There wouldn't be wars that we hear about and famines. There wouldn't be all of the stuff that we see if that's what God was going to do. What did God do with the first day of the Lord? He sent a Savior, Jesus, who was different than any other person, a perfect Savior, who had a better way than any government in history and up unto this point. He sent a Savior who would change the hearts of men and women, who would forgive them of their sins, who would draw them into a relationship with a holy, perfect God and allow them to impact the world, to be able to change the world, to be people, to be salt in this world and light in this world, to be unique in this world. Jesus began to change the hearts. You realize you can't control people, right? Governments have tried, you know, in all types of ways. You can't make someone do the right thing. But when a heart is changed, when a life is changed, then there is a desire. There is a turnover where there's now a desire to do something better, something good. Jesus began that process in the people of God ever since his coming up until today. But that still doesn't answer the question of Scripture. Because in Scripture, in the Old Testament, there is this pointing to the Messiah the rescuer, the ruler, the one who was God's anointed to change everything. And all of those scriptures ultimately are fulfilled by Jesus Christ. They point to Jesus. But it doesn't answer the question of the worldly renewal. And that's the second day of the Lord. It's written in the Old Testament, but it's also written in the New and it's written by Jesus, and it's remembered by those who follow him because Jesus 
talked about it. He was actually a forerunner of it. He came first, listen very clearly. He came first to save. Let's never forget the patience and the kindness of God. Because the first mission of God, the first visitation of God, the first day of the Lord came so that people could be saved. He came to save those who would turn to him. Remember last week on Easter Sunday, we read verses 8 and 9. Do not mistake the patience of God as slowness. No, God is not slow like we would think slow. God is patient, not willing that anyone should perish, but that everyone, everyone would have the opportunity to repent. God desires everyone to have the opportunity to get saved. And some of them were asking, well, gosh, it's been a long time. What about the day of the Lord? When's all this stuff going to happen? And remember, Simon Peter reminded them as well. God doesn't look at time the way we look at time. He's not slow and he's not on a clock. A day with God is like a thousand years. All of you in the house who are a thousand years old, put your hands up. Maybe you online, thousand years old, right? Put your hands up. No, no, no. We can't remember very well what happened a thousand years ago, much less 10 minutes ago, right? Pastor, you started talking about 10 minutes ago. What were you saying, right? A thousand years to God is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So don't underestimate the desire of God, the patience of God to save. That's why Jesus came. He came as God's son to rescue and to save. And in this period of time, as Simon Peter writes this word to you and I, to the Christians of all the generations past and to the churches that he was writing it to, the believers then, what he was helping them understand was Jesus came to save and the world is not changed yet, but Jesus is going to come back again. There will be the second day of the Lord. And that's the one in the New Testament that you see the apostles, even Jesus talk about in reference. The second day of the Lord will come. And that day is a day that you believer, because you are saved, you will be ready for. As we look at these last few words, they actually are words of hope. In the midst of fire, destruction, the sky falling, all of that, it's actually words of hope if you've been saved because of the visit, the first day of the Lord, the visit of the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And they tell you that when the second one comes, you have something better that you hope in. Here's the life lesson, very simple today as I finish this letter that Simon Peter writes. Um, I think this just really sums it up well for you and I today. Jesus is coming back. Christian, Jesus is coming back. Son of God, daughter of God, believer by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, you are a 
child of God, a part of his church, the body of Christ. Listen, Jesus is coming back. I mean, songs are written by this. You pro probably hear them on the radio. I mean, I have a few that come to mind. There's one that's out really good right now. It talks about Jesus is coming back. There's another song that says, people get ready. Jesus is coming. One day we're going home, right? Jesus is coming back. And here's the thing that Simon Peter understood that I know is a challenge for us today. I know it's a challenge for us today, but I think perhaps the last two years have given you and I a better glimpse of it than maybe ever before. This world is broken. And if we hold on to tightly the things of this world, then our hope in the things of this world is going to be shaken. Your belief system. And a matter of fact, you just look at the restlessness in our own country, much less the world. The belief system in all things government is shaken right now, one way or another. The belief system in all things unity is shaken right now. There are all types of things that in this world have been rattled. Maybe you've been a part of something personally. Maybe it's something that is a private experience in your own life. Even the church across the world has been shaken and rattled. The children of God, though, have a hope beyond this world. And that hope is this reality that the day of the Lord will happen. Simon Peter mentions it here twice. The day of the Lord, the day of God, in these last few words... And he basically is helping you and I understand, believer, daughter of God, son of God, Christian, church, your Lord and Savior, who visited once, is coming again. Now, let me put this in context before we break this passage down, because there's just a few things I, I think we can glean. You might glean more, but there were three things that stood out to me, so I want to share those with you. But before I do, let me break down the context of this letter. These last few words, penned by Simon Peter, or perhaps by a scribe, maybe it was John Mark, maybe it was someone who was with him in Rome, were perhaps most likely written Eighty sixty six, sixty six. the year 66. So you're backing that deal up almost 2,000 years, basically, in our current situation. So he's writing these, and he's writing these words, perhaps, most likely, from prison in Rome. And he's writing these things, getting these final words out to Christians around the region. You hold, you've read, we've just discussed the last things that this apostle, this person that so many people, maybe your friends, look up to as the founder of the church. He and the apostle Paul, whom he mentions in his last words. Paul, even what Paul said is true. Even what Paul said, don't be deceived by those who try to manipulate or distort. It's going to happen. You have the words of someone who in AD 67 was murdered by the Emperor Nero. Not just him, but you have a recording also 
as he mentions the name Paul, the apostle, who also was murdered, executed by the emperor Nero in 67. The words that we just read were written by a man who a year later at the hands of a corrupt government would lose his life. He writes that, and what does he write? Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the Savior, in Jesus, who is coming back. And Christians, we do not know when it will be. But it is going to happen. The day of the Lord will happen like a thief in the night. Even Jesus said that. The day of the Lord will happen where you will see the heavens crumble. Even Jesus said that. The day of the Lord will be followed by all of this destruction. And people will go from bad to worse. Even Jesus said that. And Simon Peter with his last efforts. With his last encouragement to people just like you and me. He said don't ever forget. Jesus is coming back. Listen. I love parts of this world. Don't you? There are parts of this world that are good. You've ever had, have you ever had a good experience in your life with something that you're proud of? Something that meant something to you? Those things are treasures. Um, yesterday morning, I spent uh, some quality time with my youngest son. And um, gosh, like he hates textbooks, but he loves dirt, right? It's just one of those things where we were outside and he just enjoyed that. And, and that was fun. That's a treasure. Um, something that is meaningful. I hope that you have some meaningful moments in your life in this world because there are good things to live for. But there's also dis disappointment. Perhaps dreams that you had out there that you hoped for, that you longed for, things that you desired and they haven't materialized and maybe they won't. This world will bring disappointment and discouragement. Our hope in this world is not to accumulate more good experiences than bad experiences. Our hope in this world is Jesus. Because Jesus is with you in the good. He's speaking to your heart, believer, in the moments where you have great success, victory, accomplishment, that feeling, that vibe, that it's going well. Jesus is with you in that moment. And don't forget him when you're blessed. And Jesus is when you when it's hard. When it's tough, when you don't know the answer, when it hasn't played out, when you're uncertain or you're discouraged or you don't even know how you feel or why you feel that way. Jesus is with you, son of God, daughter of God, in that moment as well. That's who he is. Our hope in this world is Jesus. And Simon Peter, as he pens these last words, would say, do not give up your hope because he's going to come back one day for his church. And so when we look at this passage, what can we learn today? 2022, 424-22, April the 24th, 2022. We're a little bit away um, from 66, right? We're a little bit away from 67. But what about you and I today? I, I read these things and I actually find some preparation things for my life. And I hope that they mean something to you today. The first thing... If I think about what he said, 
And I legitimately by Scripture go, all Scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching, for training, for reproof, for correction in righteousness. When I think about that, when I think about what Simon Peter said, that no Scripture is a matter of anyone's interpretation, but men inspired by God spoke to us the truth of God. When I think about that related to Scripture, then I think about what Simon Peter writing here with the last year of his life, investing the last time of his life into people like you and I, it teaches me that first I have to learn to be aware in my life of what's going on. So that's the first thing. If I know that Jesus is coming back, then I have to learn to be aware. Be aware of what? Be aware of what? You know, it's one thing to be aware of your surroundings, right? It's one thing to be aware of what's going on in the world. But it's another thing, listen, to, to even bring that down to our level as people who love God, desire God's best, who love Jesus, who want to follow Jesus, to be aware of your relationship with him and what's really happening. Here's what's really happening in your life today. Number one, one of the things to be aware of is spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. There is a force that we do not see directly. We only see indirectly. We do not see the work of the devil directly. Walking around with a pitchfork, poking you in the rump, right? You don't see that. But what do you see? Brokenness, destruction, hurt, pain, our own failures and moments where we fall. Spiritual warfare is real. And we see the indirect results of that. Christian, be aware that the devil is at work in this world. And most of the division, pain, destruction, bigotry, hate, all of that stuff that you see. And by the way, I see it. And at times, we buy into it. We're a part of it. Guess where it comes from? It's not the organization that you despise or maybe even that person that you hate. Guess where it comes from? Oh, he's good. Satan is at work. And if he can create this sense of division amongst us, get our eyes off of the spiritual battle and make it a personal battle, then he's won. Because we're no longer aware that there is a force in this world that is bent hell-bent toward the destruction of people. Be aware spiritually of what's going on. Be aware that there will be false teachers. That's the second thing that he highlights. There will be false teachers who distort the scriptures, who twist the words. And Simon Peter even gave a personal example of his friend, the Apostle Paul. They'll even twist the words, of Paul the Apostle. Be aware that those people are out there. Some of the twisting we talked about last week and the week before. Jesus isn't coming back. The world's been going on since the beginning and it'll keep going on. And Simon Peter said, no, 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 no. The day of the Lord, his first visit happened. And if his first visit happened, guess what? His second will also so there are people out there that would twist and distort Scripture. There are people out there who will twist and distort 
your behavior. Well, this is okay. Well, you can look like this. Well, this is a part of the culture, and everybody's doing it, so you can do it too. I mean, that's one of those lies that Satan uses in the lives of people that then we use in the lives of people, and we all get pulled into that whole peer pressure, be like everyone else, right? Simon Peter says, be aware. Let your behavior be such that your conduct is holy, that you live with godliness, that you um, are looking for things that bring about the peace of Christ, the spotlessness of Christ, and be blameless like Christ. Now, we wouldn't look at ourselves and go, um, I have the peace of Christ, I'm just like him, I'm blameless and I'm spotless like Christ. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, when he wrote that introduction to his first letter, he talked about Jesus, the Son of God, spotless and blameless. And then as he finishes, he says, be aware, let your behavior shine in such a way that you reflect the character of Jesus. Isn't that good? When you think about these things, Simon Peter is actually writing, going, look, the world is challenged. We are challenged. The church is challenged. Be aware of what's going on. And don't let your guard down. Earlier he said, be aware your adversary, the devil, is prowling about like a roaring lion, sinking someone else to devour, right? So he had written that in his first letter. Here he reminds us, just be aware. Be aware as a child of God. Your hope is in Jesus. Your focus is on Jesus. And the world is falling apart. It doesn't mean that you have to go, oh, chicken little, the sky is falling. Woe is me, doom and gloom. No, 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 no. Just because these things are happening doesn't mean you have to be discouraged, depressed, give up, and a miserable Christian. Don't you hate miserable Christians? I mean, people who just, you know, they think that because of all these things... Um, in the Bible and the destruction, they're just not pleasant people to be around. Listen, Christian, you have the joy of the Lord. You have the presence of Christ. You have a promise that all this is going to fall apart, but not you. You have a promise that you have a home that when the second coming of Jesus does happen, he's taking you home to heaven and he is going to rebuild this place. That's another thing to be aware of. Simon Peter writes and says, look, the earth is going to fall apart, fire, all this stuff. And you go, whoa. And then he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. But there's a new heaven and a new earth, and that's what you're going to be a part of. That's when God makes it all brand new. So Christian, be different. Christian, hope different. Hold on to something different. Be aware of these things. Secondly, when I read this, it teaches me to be active. It's not just being aware. It's being active. It's not just, oh, so I know this about what God is doing. I know this about what's happening in the world. It's, so what are you going to do about it? The reality is perhaps one of the most overlooked aspects of our life as a believer is that we should be active in taking someone else with us to heaven. The most overlooked area of our lives as Christians. And when I read this passage, it's really clear. We should be active 
in taking someone else with us to heaven. We should be active in our relationships to leverage them to help us share God's mercy, grace, and love with someone else that would be willing to listen. Not everybody's going to listen. Someone will. And when they do, helping them take the next step so that when it all changes, when it all happens, they have a home in heaven and a new place just like you, just like me. I don't want to just go to heaven and one day say, stand before God and him say, you knew it was going to happen, didn't you? Good for you. I want to get to heaven one day, and I, I know that this is in your heart as well, where I show up and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you were faithful here in doing these things, managing this, helping people along the way come to know me. Enter into your rest. Enter into your place. It's not just knowledge. I think for Christians so many times, we get stuck in knowledge. We're aware. We're aware that we're saved. We're aware that the devil's at work. We're aware that the world is broken. But then we get paralyzed and we don't do anything about it. We slack off in our commitment and our attendance to church. Whoa, pastor, come on, calm down. But where else are you going to go and learn about the truths of the Lord in a very personal, real, scriptural way. I can tell you it's not on your fishing boat. I've been there. It's not at the baseball park. It's not on the soccer pitch for my family, right? It's not at the Saints game. All right? I love all these things. But if my hope's in them and I think the words to eternal life are found in them and I neglect my commitment to the body of Christ, the church, then I am neglecting my relationship with the Lord and I am not active in my life for the things that matter the most. What about tithing? <laughs> oh, don't talk about tithing, preacher. There's a reality. Some of you, you were raised in a generation, those of you who are slightly older, um, slightly, um, and you were taught to tithe, and you'll tithe all the time, every day of the week, because that was the right, and you know that. And then there's another generation, tithe, man, I got, what? I got to give something to the church? I thought all that happened for free. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it just miraculously happened. Man, you talk about naive, right? Tithing is a commitment to say, you know what, God? I trust your plan through your work, the body, the church, the people, and what happens for your mission. God, I trust you with my resources. And you can do a lot more with 90% than I can do with 110% because people that live by 110% of their own income, do you know what they are? Broke, in debt, can't manage. But when you're committed to the Lord, that's a part of it. Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. One of the most sad realities is that most people will never lead anyone else to a real saving relationship with Jesus. We're too afraid. We don't want to offend. We get backed into a corner. I don't know how to answer this question. Instead of just saying, Jesus did this for me. This is what Jesus has done to change my life. And here's my story. Here's my song. Praising my Savior all the day long, right? That is one of the most underrated part of being active. But I would encourage you, 
as you were aware, and as Simon Peter would pin these words about what's happening in the world, be active in your faith. Be active in your relationship with Jesus because when it hits the fan, number one, it's not going to hit you. (laughs) But you really don't want it hitting the people that you love, that you're around, and that ultimately God has desired to save as well. Active. Here's the last thing, and I'll close with this, only because I'm a few minutes longer than I intended to be, but um, this is good, right? It's a good letter. Here's the final thing. Simon Peter says to them, look, we want you to grow in the grace, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about that. But know this beforehand. Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled people and that you fall from your own steadfastness. The last thing is be anchored. Be anchored in Christ. Christian, let me speak very candidly with you right now. The truth is a lot of people fall away from the faith. It's not just that they fall away from church. It's that they fall away from Jesus. It's that they legitimately start paying more attention to the world, more hope in the world, or more disappointment. And so because there's disappointment, discouragement, they give up. They give up. Well, it all leads to the same path or they're all the same religion. Or or if God loved everybody, he wouldn't allow this. So I'm just going to let it work out. What is that? What, wait, wait. What is all of that? Falling away from steadfastness. Falling away from the truth. Being deceived in this world by others who are not going to value your hope, who are going to place their hope in other things, or who have no hope. And so they're just living for the moment. Eat, drink, be merry, for one day we die. That's how some people live. Christian, not you. Be anchored in the steadfastness and the hope that is Christ because the day of the Lord is coming. His visitation will happen again. And you don't be moved by unprincipled people, but grow in grace. Hang on to the awareness, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be prepared as he finishes to give him glory now so he writes this from a prison cell his last words which you and I could go gosh wouldn't you write something else but he writes perhaps the most important thing that you and I could ever hear be prepared Christian he writes this from a prison cell give God glory right now because one day you're going to give God in eternity forever amen and that's how he finishes his challenge to you that's how he finishes a letter before he would die for Jesus for doing no wrong 
for being a peacemaker, a hope giver, a life bringer. That's how Simon Peter finishes the last recorded words of his life that you and I would hold. And he says, Christian, child of God, don't get carried away by any of this. Hold on to Jesus. Be anchored in the Savior who's rescued you. Grow in that grace that he's shown. Are you thankful for the grace of Jesus over your life? Grow in your knowledge of who he is and what he's done. How do you grow in the knowledge of who he is and what he's done? Get into church. Get into Bible study. Get into community. Surround yourself with people who love Jesus. And grow so that in your life you may be active, giving glory to God now. Because if you do it well now, then when that day of the Lord comes and he's coming back, Jesus is coming back, you'll be very prepared to do it forever. Heaven will not be boring to you. Heaven will be home. And that's the promise of the day of the Lord, that one day Jesus will make it all who loved him that's where they'll be amen and amen let's pray together as we respond from our hearts with heads bowed with eyes closed two very simple things today perhaps you friend of God need to become a child of God by Jesus, by faith, asking him to become your Lord and Savior and giving him your life to follow him. If that is what's happening in your heart right now, then I encourage you, stop everything, focus on God and say, God, you love me. Today I hear you and I want to say yes to your son, Jesus. Come and live in my life change my direction and I'm going to follow you thank you for calling me home secondly Christian what kind of lives ought we learn to live knowing that he's coming back God I pray that you will use this teaching in our hearts to live aware, active, and anchored in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Isn't that a powerful letter written to churches then, but it's almost, almost like it was written to you. Thank you, God, for faithful people, apostles like Simon Peter, who have passed on things to you and I so that we might do the same. I want to thank you for being so attentive during this series because the whole series was designed to help us do what? Bloom. And hopefully this will help us bloom in our faith and as a church. I want to thank you um, 
forgiven for working and supporting the ministry as we continue to do what we're called to do in this world. It's fascinating to see God's faithfulness to all of us, both in this room and online. So thank you for being a part of that and continuing to do that. And then I want to thank you for continuing to be faithful and celebrating wonderful moments like the first, the ninth, the 15th. We have a lot of great things. We're just going to keep moving ahead. I don't want to stop to you. I think God has a mission for us to make a difference in this world. And that's why we say we're a family of faith on a mission with Jesus to change our world. Today, it's been a good day. I want us to stand to our feet. So I know you might have to take just a second because you've been listening for a moment. But what a great word today. If you've made a decision in your heart today to follow the Lord, there is a card in the back of your seat that you can fill that out. Take that to our guest desk, our welcome desk in the back. We'd like to follow up with you about what God has been speaking to your heart. Something from salvation, perhaps, or recommitment, or joining this church. We want to help you in that process. If you want to get your tickets for the crawfish boil, let me tell you, go on and start doing that. It's a part of us doing significant things to help this church. You want to do that today? You came prepared? Again, go back there and get those. Thank you for that. Thank you most of all, though, for being the kind of Christians that take these words today and say, you know what, Jesus, you're coming back. People get ready. I'm going to live for him. Amen. So with that, let's sing in worship to our risen King.